what up? It's podcast volume. We're back at it again here in the Second Live Studio. I'm your host Zach Barry. Joining me, Mr. Benjamin Woodhouse over there. Ben, welcome in. What's up? Good to be here. No hangover edition this week, obviously because the Rebels were on a bye. But we are back here and itching to get back at it as Ole Miss takes on South Carolina this weekend, six thirty SEC Network. But we are going to recap week 10. Uh, it was, I, we were just saying this before we hit the record button. I thought it was one of the better Saturdays of the year. Yeah, I agree. I thought that um, Clemson uh, Notre Dame is probably going to be the best college football game of the season. And anytime you have that by itself makes it a great college football day. But there were some other really good games as well, you know, kind of surprising. Uh, given the slate, but um, yeah, it was a good college football day. Had a lot going on from start to finish Friday. BYU made a very loud statement, uh, whipping Boise State on the blue turf to remain undefeated. Then uh, you also had Miami NC State going down to the wire, the Hurricanes edging out the Wolfpack by three. Saturday, as we just talked about, Notre Dame Clemson double overtime, uh, DJ Uyangalele taking the place of one Trevor Lawrence, who tested positive for COVID. No big deal. Just a uh, true freshman throwing for 439 yards and two touchdowns on the road against a top five opponent. That's normal, right, Ben? That's what normal true freshmen do. <laughs> yeah. Um, people were yeah. like, man, what, what could they do if you know Trevor Lawrence was there? I was like, well, the, the backup threw for 450. So it's not like, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ian Book, probably the best game of his career. Uh, Notre Dame remains undefeated, uh, tripping up the Tigers, but they're ultimately going to play again in the uh, ACC title game. Uh, that'll be a, uh, that'll be an, another good one, I think. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is is obviously uh, the better quarterback uh, than the true freshman, but uh, I, I think Notre Dame kind of proved to everybody that they were for real. Um, Kyron Williams had three touchdowns for the Irish. Uh, like I said, Ian Book played really well. Their defense was pretty opportunistic. Uh, forced, basically took away Trevor Etienne and kind of forced uh, the true freshman to uh, make them pay. They couldn't do it. Uh, even though they went to double overtime, Notre Dame was able to edge them out. Um, I will say Ohio State um, still won, but uh, Rutgers put up a hell of a fight, 49-27. Um, and then I guess the other potential game of the day. Well, there was a couple. Um, Florida made me look really smart by uh, whipping Georgia. Um, I think I, was I the only one on our show that predicted that one? Uh, I think I picked Florida as well. Okay. Uh, so you and I both, Kyle Trask, 474, four touchdowns. Uh, they uh, made a pretty loud statement there, pretty much setting up their showdown with Alabama in Atlanta, barring, uh, a speed bump down the road for the Gators. Uh, Oregon in their first game, 35-14 winners over Stanford. And then uh, I think the other potential game of the day outside of Notre Dame, Clemson, Indiana undefeated, beating Michigan 38-21. Tom Allen and the and the Hoosiers up there are uh, doing some big things right now. Yeah, you know, I was watching college game day Saturday morning and they were talking about Michigan and they're like, well, well, surely, you know, they'll, they'll take care of business, you know, of Indiana. And they didn't, 
And I think the analysts on College Game Day said, well, if they don't, I guess we'll, you know, be back talking next week about whether or not it's over for Harbaugh. But it's got to be over. I mean, he he makes pretty much the same as Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and his his results just haven't been there. Uh, you know, it, I, I don't know that – I don't think that Michigan – it's not the job it was in the early nineties, but it's certainly a place that you can, you should be able to compete for the playoff. I mean, their, their budget and school and name recognition is just too big. There's no, no excuse that Ohio state can be the quintessential Alabama of the big 10 and Michigan can't, you know, follow suit, maybe not to that extent, but, but at least close. Yeah, it's uh, he hasn't beaten Ohio State yet. Uh, he's won zero Big Ten titles. He hasn't made the college football playoff, and like you said, making close to ten million dollars, it's uh, it's not enough. And I mean, look, he's not going to beat Ohio State this year. So you lost to Michigan State. You lost to Indiana. You're going to lose to Ohio State. It's it's just uh, it's not looking good for the Wolverines. And for Jim Harbaugh, I, I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. I mean, hell, it, I think he had one of his best defenses ever last year. Still couldn't do much. They just haven't been able to piece it all together at the right time. You know, they'll have a really good defense, but then their offense is just a com- complete shit show. Uh, and then um, I think Joe Milton's not bad. Like they're they're doing some actual non Michigan things this year on offense, but then, I mean, they can't stop anybody on defense. So, uh, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, is this the end for for uh, for for Don Brown there as a defensive coordinator? Uh, a lot of questions in Ann Arbor, and you know, as we all know, uh, trademark Michigan men are going to be very upset that they're not beating Ohio State, that they're not beating. Uh, I mean, they haven't played Penn State yet, but. I mean, Penn State's not very good either, but, I mean, if James Franklin beats him this year, then, because you're not beating Ohio State. So, a lot of issues in Ann Arbor. You hate to see it. Um, well, we had a couple other really good games. Southern Cal came back, scored 14 in the fourth to uh, up in Arizona State in their first game. And that was a fun one, Ben. I don't know how much you saw that one. That was some coffee football. That was an early kick. Uh, 9 a.m. local time there, uh, so that was a. Uh, I, I kind of liked the uh, the Pac-12 before dark. Yeah, the I think USC had what 55 pass attempts. Good to have the Pac-12 back. Yeah, yeah. Keaton Slovis 40 of 55 for 381. Uh, that's yeah, a lot of fun uh, to have the Pac-12 back in action. Um, all right, so let's we'll, we'll quick, quickly run through uh, the SEC just to, uh, I, I guess, appease the listeners here and, and focus more on the uh, the task at hand here. So uh, the team, uh, the next two teams that Ole Miss will play, Texas A&M, South Carolina. This one was just an absolute bloodbath. Uh, the Aggies win 48-3. to South Carolina gets the uh, very Matt Luke-esque field goal in the fourth quarter. Um Kellamon, four touchdowns. Isaiah Spiller ran for 131. This was just an absolute beatdown. I still am hesitant to say that AM is a playoff team. I don't think they are, 
but South Carolina is at a crossroads here and traveling to Ole Miss, taking on an offense that has been able to put up a ton of points this year against some really good teams. It is uh, it's danger zone for 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 Will Muschamp and uh, and the Gamecocks this weekend. Yeah, uh, South Carolina is in trouble. I mean, they they've given up a hundred points in the last two weeks. They gave fifty two to a bad LSU team, um, and then like you said, they they got beat by NM forty eight to three. Look, I. I'm afraid that they're quitting on Muschamp here, um, and they certainly will. I just my my expectation. I know we'll get into this tomorrow. If Ole Miss will jump on South Carolina, they might lay down and quit. They're two and four. It's not like they've got the new energy of having a new coach. You know, it's already COVID season. They're coming off of having a hundred points scored on them in the last two games. So. In my opinion, I think if Ole Miss can jump on South Carolina early, uh, they'll you know they'll be in good shape. Look, I don't know. I don't think that I saw. I, yes, yes, I did. The last time I saw the South Carolina stats against A and M, they had 150 total yards, um, nine touchdowns. I mean, nine touch, nine first downs, 50 yards rushing, 100 yards passing. They were 12 of 28 passing the football. I mean, that's not bad. Not that's, good. that's Zach Stout bad. Yeah. Uh, they opened up the quarterback competition this week. Colin Hill was 8 of 21 for 66 yards and two touchdowns in this game. So, 100 and, 150 total yards. 100 of those were through the air. Um, South Carolina got beat 48 to 3 and only had one penalty against them. How do you do I mean, that? They got they two turnovers and one penalty. I mean, they averaged two yards per rush and 3.6 yards per pass. You might as well not throw the ball if you're going to do that. I mean, you might as well not pass it. Look, I it's just I don't think A&M is good enough for me to say, well, they just, you know, it's like going to Alabama and getting your best. It's just that doesn't count. I mean, it's, it's 2020. It, it, at some point, you've got to at least be able to move the ball. And while Ole Miss is running out, is not running out Texas A&M's defense, it still tells me what I need to know about South Carolina. If you get 150 yards on anybody, anybody, that's bad. So, yeah. well, the line has moved. Um, opened at seven, quickly moved to seven and a half. Now I'm seeing. 11 and a half. I'm seeing 11. I'm seeing 10 and a half. Um, the over under is hovering around 70, 69, 71, around that area. I'll, I'll ask you this, Ben. Two, two and four teams facing off, and the line is almost 12. I mean, what does that tell you? Exactly. And that's bad. Know. It's weird. It's the a line, Ole Miss is favored by 12. I mean, I've I've seen it, I've seen it at eleven and eleven and a half. So it's, I mean, obviously itching close to two scores. But I mean, we historically don't play South Carolina well, so I won't count any chickens before they hatch. Not to be confused with the Gamecock, but I, you know, I expect Ole Miss to win. I don't know that I would lay the points, but 
Uh, I do a lot of points. I think what you said though, I I do think that that's very true with if Ole Miss were to jump out early, I do think there's a chance that this team could quit. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think that's right. It's just like in any game, if you let somebody hang around, you know, they'll believe they can beat you. And South Carolina already believes they can beat Ole Miss. It's not like Ole Miss has given them any reason not to. So, I believe a stat that I heard was – I don't know if it's the last three or four wins or maybe all time. I think it might be last three or four. Um, regardless, Ole Miss and South Carolina games are always close. I think the last three or four wins – I think that's what it was. Uh, South Carolina has never beaten Ole Miss by more than seven points. Now, without giving away too much, because like you said, we'll talk about it on our show tomorrow when we – have our legal gambling council and we do our picks. I think this one has a chance to get ugly in Ole Miss's favor. Uh, I just think it's a bad matchup for South Carolina. Um, but we'll we'll find out on Saturday. And like I said, we'll we'll give our picks um, on tomorrow's show. Uh, moving on, Florida Georgia. This game went exactly like I thought it would. Um, Georgia showed some fight early on. Uh, Zamir White had the big run to open the game, score on the first play, I believe. And then I believe Georgia had a pick six. They scored 14 in the first real, really quick. Dan Mullins bunch, Kyle Trask and them, circled the wagons, tied it up after that. And then, my God, they absolutely just ran off on the plug in the second quarter, scored 24, um, headed into the break up big, and then uh, held off Georgia in the second half. Georgia only managed seven points in the second half. Um Stetson Bennett gets hurt. Um, Dewan Mathis, as a guy who is playing his first football after recovering from brain surgery, um, I didn't know that until I was listening to the game, um, had brain surgery. Uh, they removed a, I believe it was a cyst off of his brain, which is just I mean, modern medicine. It's um, it's just crazy. Um, but he was kind of up and down. They couldn't get anything going offensively. But Florida truly showed that they're the class of the SEC East. Um, you and I both picked them. I wasn't shocked at all. Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and the rest of that offense is just special. They're so good. They're so good. And and Kyle, Kyle Trask, I think he's probably the best quarterback in the conference. Definitely, to me, he's the best NFL prospect of a quarterback in the conference. He looked so good against Ole Miss, and he has ever since. I think the the conversation needs to eventually matriculate to can Florida beat Alabama in the SEC championship game because they certainly look capable. Now, I, this, is, I this isn't your typical Bama defense. No, it's not. And and we saw Kyle Trask up close and in person and he's good. Kyle Pitts is I still think the best player in college football. You know, Kendarius, Tony, they're good. They are you, just you good. said you said he was the most I, I think your quote was the most physically imposing guy you've ever seen in person. Ever. Yeah, probably. I mean just saying yeah, a lot. not not quarterback. So phys, the most impressive football player I've seen that did not play quarterback. So you know like you could always say Cam Newton. Let's take Cam Newton out of the equation. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, guy named not, not named Cam Newton. Yeah, it, I mean, DK Metcalf is really special. But, like, in college, as good as he was, he did not have the, that Kyle Pitts, you know, 
just imposing, unbelievable look. I mean, certainly looked the part on Saturday, and I think yeah, as good as as good as Carolina. yeah, as good as Georgia's defense is. I mean, they just can't they can't score a ton. They can't they can't do it all. I mean, and we pretty much said that on the show. We literally said exactly what happened that the defense would would be able to play well, but Florida's offense is just too much, man. Um, they're really good. I'm excited for that matchup because, you know, this isn't a typical Bama defense. I'm excited for an absolute shootout in Atlanta. I think that'll be fun. Kyle Trask going against Mac Jones. Um, that Alabama offense against Florida's offense. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a barn burner for sure. All right, we're gonna take our break real quick. We're gonna come back, recap the rest of the SEC and uh, the look ahead into Week Eleven or <laughs> what's left of it, as uh, there's been some COVID postponements. But uh, hang tight, we'll be right back and we will talk the rest of SEC Week Ten. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. Has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. 
Uh, you can try their healing station, high rye bourbon, the Memphis toddy, the Memphis vodka, or the new honey bell vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that healing station bourbon, a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic, and as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion. SEC Week 10, deep breath there as we embark on trying to talk about this one. Uh, Mississippi State 24, Vanderbilt 17. Okay, so as everybody <laughs> knows, I picked this as actually a lock. <laughs> yeah. the, oh, the, my God. Um, you 17 know, point line or whatever it was. I'll say this, Ben. Now, this is an Ole Miss podcast. So we are genetically programmed to not like Mississippi State. I was pissed off watching this game because – that throwback logo that they had is easily the best thing that they've ever done. It is that midfield logo was gorgeous. The helmets were perfect. Adidas didn't fuck anything else up. The jersey was perfectly fine. It was great. But my God, you get outscored 17 to 7 in the second half against the Vanderbilt Commodores, who, and this is saying a lot, Ben, might be one of the worst SEC teams I have ever seen in my 32 years. Yeah. They are absolutely awful. They are terrible. They are terrible. And I mean, <laughs> I, mean I was saying that during the this is long before they played Mississippi State. That it's why I picked State to to cover the 17 and a half or 18 and a half. I think Vanderbilt's the worst SEC team I've ever seen. Uh I, I don't they're I mean, so bad. They are so bad. They are so bad. And you know, it's I don't know what they're going to do in Starville, but I can tell you they're not happy. They are not pleased. Oh, no. And it doesn't help when your head coach goes into the post game and is just calling out fans, telling them, well, if you don't like it, go find another team. I mean, if there is a guy that has absolutely just put his foot in his mouth all year long, I mean, Mike Leach, man, just be quiet. Yeah. Stop your team talking. is your team is not good. I mean, hell, every statistical category. Vandy, 
passing, 336. More than Will Rogers. Rushing, they had a guy run for over 100 yards. They threw for 336 on Mississippi State? 336, one touchdown. Ken Seals, I, I think, look, Vandy sucks, but he's a freshman. He's not bad. He threw three picks, but they had a chance to win that game or at least tie it. And the fact that Keon Henry Brooks ran for 115, almost six yards a pop, the most yards rushing that Mississippi State, uh, an individual for State had, uh, Jaquavius Marks ran for 10 yards on six carries. Um, They only ran the ball 11 yards for minus 22, if you factor in sacks. Um, Cam Johnson, who is a really good receiver for Vandy, uh, 10 catches, 114 yards. Keon Henry Brooks, the running back, had 11 catches for 97 yards. I mean, <laughs> I have no idea who Vandy's offensive coordinator is, but, I mean, he called a hell of a game. Um, I mean, I just keep going back to the fact that you get outscored 17-7 to in the second half. I mean, to, to keep things real here, uh, one of my best friends is a state alum, and he came over to the house as that game was ending. And I mean, it was, it took a while for him to say anything. Uh, it was just a lot of head shaking and a lot of, uh, you know, I, I didn't, he's one that usually keeps it real. He's not one to sugarcoat or to just be blind because he's a fan of Mississippi State. I mean, he was unhappy. And I think that that's a reflection of the whole fan base where it's just, yeah, it was a win, but damn, it felt like a loss. That's the worst feeling too. Oh, it's bad. Um, Vandy fumbled the ball three times. That was the game right there. Uh, Ken Seals had the late pick to seal it. Mississippi State is, uh, man, they're searching. I don't know where they're going to find another win on their schedule. Um, Speaking of trying to find wins on the schedule, the last game we're going to talk about here, Arkansas 24, Tennessee 13. Um, you got to tip your cap to Sam Pittman and them. They're uh, finding ways to win. Now, Tennessee's not a good, not a very good team, but you're, you're, you know, as the, as Ty and Dan say on a uh, solid verbal, you, you got to win your clunkers. Uh, they did this one. They scored 24 points in the third quarter, held the ball scoreless the entire second half. That is pathetic. They, yeah, it is. It is. And and Arkansas took it to us pretty good too. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt. But, you know, Tennessee's not coming off of – NCAA sanctions. I mean, Ole Miss, I think, still has like some some sanctions that were, or you know, some set form of a sentence we're serving, uh, or Ole Miss is serving. So maybe like official visit. I, I don't know. Maybe not. But either way, uh, no excuse for Tennessee. Absolutely none. Oh, I mean, they have far more talent than Arkansas. Um, they have no idea what they're doing at quarterback. They had. Um, I mean, seriously, I watched a lot of this game. Uh, we had a we had a VFL over at the house, so we had that game on the second TV. Uh, Harrison Bailey was six for nine passing; two he threw two picks. Jarrett Guarantano got benched at one point. He was five of eight for forty two yards, and then Brian Maurer came in and was zero of four passing. Um, Felipe Franks just doing what he's asked. Kendall Bryles, um, they got a little thing going over there offensively. They're not scoring a ton of points, but they control the game. Franks was 18 and 24 for 215 and three touchdowns. That'll get it done any day. Um, ran the ball 45 times for 198 yards, 
Rakeem Boyd, I still don't think he's 100% healthy, but he's running the ball effectively um, somewhat. Um, but, yeah, it's – And to think oh. some people – and to think some Ole Miss fans wanted to hire Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah. I don't know why oh. anybody would want to hire Jeremy Pruitt. But, you know, <laughs> that, I mean, I – I can't even keep uh this is this is bad because Tennessee really was a really good program in the nineties. Really good. And I can't even keep up with who's coaching for them. Think they about not, this. You know Let me let me let me ask you this. Can you name the last time that Tennessee had more let's see. Do a little do a little uh, research here. Can you can you tell me the last time that Tennessee won ten games in a season? Ten. Because uh, Butch, Butch won nine a couple times, but they were shitty in the conference. He just had some some non con help and then won a bowl game. But can can you tell me the last time they won ten? I'm gonna say like 2006, maybe. That's a very good guess. It was 2007. 2006, they went 9-4, and four, lost the Outback Bowl. 2007, Philip Fulmer's second to last year in Knoxville, they went 10-4 and four and won the Outback. They were tied for first in the East. So that year, 20, uh, or excuse me, 2007, they lost the SEC title game to LSU in a close one um, and then beat Wisconsin in the Outback Bowl. Um, but yeah, since then... Uh, so 2008 was Fulmer's final year. 2009, Lane Kiffin went seven and six. He left. Then you had the Derek Dooley years. Derek Dooley, as a head coach in Knoxville, went six and seven, five and seven, four and seven. Uh, then after Dooley, you had Butch Jones, who, uh, like I said, won nine games a couple times. Butch Jones went five and seven, seven and six. Then he went back to back nine and four. And then he went four and six, promptly not winning a game in the SEC. Love to see that. <laughs> um, and then Jeremy Pruitt gets there. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, five and seven in his first year, eight and five the next year. Hey, that's good. Won the Gator Bowl, beat Indiana uh, really late in that game. Probably didn't deserve that win, but they got it. Uh, and now they're two and four uh, in an all SEC schedule. So you don't have the help of the non-con wins, but I mean, it's just not good. I mean, we always we always like to joke about the balls are back, but they are not back. Like they have not been back since 2007. And I, I say that back like winning 10 games. I don't I don't know where you go from there other than. I, I don't know. It, it's college football is is becoming very much proof that it's all about who you have as a football coach, and you know when you think about quote unquote great football coaches in college football, Jeremy Pruitt's name just doesn't come to mind. <laughs> no, like that's just not. It's like oh, Never. like who's a great college football coach? Oh, Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, when do you ever say that? You don't. Yeah, it's ugh. um. I mean, yeah, I'll. Uh, whew. Um, well, speaking of Tennessee, we'll, we'll close on this because I want to get your thoughts because I have some some stats I want to throw at you that throw a wrench into this. 
One of the games that we didn't touch on over the weekend, Liberty edging out Virginia Tech 38-35. Former Ole Miss coach uh, Hugh Freeze has the Flames 7-0. They are ranked. A um, lot of buzz about him in South Carolina. We we know the connection that he has with, with Tennessee, where he went there on his honeymoon, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know how I feel about Hugh Freeze. And I can I can I can see it from both angles. He won big at Ole Miss. He got Ole Miss to places that they hadn't been since, you know, the sixties. But how much credence are you putting into him getting a power five job again? I still think that there's no way he's in the SEC again. Not anytime soon, in my opinion. But I mean, do you think that he would ever work ever again in the SEC? Because I'm of the opinion that he still hasn't changed. He's still the same old con man that he's always been. Do you think that somebody like South Carolina or somebody like Tennessee would take a would be desperate enough to take a chance on him and, and try to get him back? Yeah. I, now I don't know that he's going to be allowed to be back. If that's like a thing, that's always been the rumor is that. He's uh, kind of got a a block against him, so to speak. But I do. Uh, I think that somebody – this is what Hugh Freeze has going for him. It, it's a couple of things. One, there just aren't a lot of big-name up-and-coming coaches right now. You know, a few years ago, I remember there were several. It, you know, the the Neil Brown year. Those guys were all coming out at the same time. You know, Troy had a really young coach in Neil Brown, and I'm going to start going blank. Maybe Mark Hudspeth was coming out yeah, at that you had, time. You had him. Bill Clark was doing some big Bill things Clark. at UAB. Yeah. Um, and the, those guys are still good coaches. I think Tom Herman might have been at Houston at the time. Um, what's his name? But, Will Healy at Charlotte was kind of on the cover. Yeah, yeah. So here's one thing. There just aren't a lot of guys like that right now. And in Tennessee, I, I think more so than South Carolina. I, I We could go back to this and be like, oh, Ben was dead wrong. He went to South Carolina. I think Tennessee is far more desperate than South Carolina. Tennessee is is a program in desperation when you talk to any of their fans. I mean, they are so hungry to beat Alabama again and to win 10 games again. And while South Carolina fans are also hungry, they're not hungry enough to hire Hugh Freeze. I don't think. I could be wrong. But um, I, I do think that that in this day and age, people have short memories. Mm-hmm. And I just expect um, he's going to get an offer. You know, it may not be this year, but I, I think – I think those schools will want him. Now, I don't know that the SEC office is going to allow them to hire him. What will be interesting to see is how, if they do, how he or that school is treated by Birmingham going forward. Because towards the end of his tenure in Oxford, it was a little bit different. It was a little bit, you know, kind of treated like the – the appearance to me was almost just treated like, you know, the the bad kid, the kid always in timeout at school. And, and you know, is that 
Holden Freeze is on Ole Miss. I don't know. I don't really. And to be honest with you, Zach, and I don't mean this, I just, I just get tired of people talking about Hugh Freeze, man. Like, yeah, he, you know, Ole Miss played football after him and before him, and is going to long play football after he. You know, I just, you know, good luck to him. I guess. I, at the end of the day, yeah, I had fun at the Sugar Bowl, and I had fun on the those two signing days, and that kind of deal. I, that was all good, but. You know, we were in a big hole we we're still trying to climb out of. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's it's been five years since we went out to Tuscaloosa and won and and the Sugar Bowl. It's almost five years. It will be five years the first of um January from us having played Oklahoma State in that Sugar Bowl. That's how long ago it was. We played in a bowl game since then. Nope. And that, that feels much, that, that was as that, much on him as it was on the next coach. And that five years feels like a decade. It feels like a decade. I mean, and Larry Tunkle <laughs> is now the highest paid lineman in, in the NFL. Like he was, <laughs> he was playing college football at that time. So he's already been through his rookie contract. Robert Kimdichie and Ro- Laquan Treadwell, to my knowledge, don't even play anymore. Yeah, I mean, you he he recruited. DK and AJ, who are arguably the two most electrifying receivers in the NFL right now. Yeah, um, no, I, I'm not. I don't want to hate on the guy. I mean, I I get it. I just well, it's valid to hate on him. It, it just, <laughs> you know, I, he he did a lot of good things for Ole Miss, but at the same time, like you said, Ole Miss is still trying to crawl out of the hole that he dug because of everything that happened with the NCAA. He didn't recruit defense worth a damn, and that's the issue. Yeah, I that's mean, right. But even if we. Even if we were to take the NCAA, you know, because I do think the Ole Miss was was uniquely punished for given what happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, Absolutely. Even if we, but even if we were to take that out of it, it's not like there were linebackers in that dressing room when he left. Yeah. No. There was a significant, you know, you go back to 14 and 15, the defensive linemen on the roster compared to 16 and 17 and 18 and 19. I mean, he he still had input on all those guys. Yeah. The 19 season, I think those seniors, juniors and seniors would have been freeze recruits. Yeah. I mean, he he gets a pass for whatever reason for that 2016 year. And if he doesn't, you know, get quote unquote, you know, if he doesn't quote unquote resign, there's no way that they're even remotely close to what he did in 14 and 15 in 2017. No, that team is that team is poorly. That, that team is four and eight at best. And then the and then the the feeling about Hugh Freeze would be a lot different among a lot of fans. Yeah, I mean, he didn't stay there to take the proper punishment for what he had built, for lack of a better term. Um, here's the sobering thing that I'll throw out there, and if there's any South Carolina or Tennessee boosters listening you know, turn your volume up. So our good buddy, Gray Hardison did some digging earlier today. Ben, here's the combined record of the teams that Hugh Freeze has beaten in two years at Liberty. 42 and 100. Three FCS teams and two teams with a winning record, Buffalo and Virginia Tech. Now, look, he can only beat the teams that are on his schedule. Liberty is obviously limited in some capacity with what they can do. Uh, I believe they still classify as an independent right now. 
Um, I think a lot of that is <laughs> is a lot to do with Jerry Falwell and how nobody wants to deal with him or that program because Lord knows we could do a whole podcast on how insane that person is. Um, but still, like they're not beating anybody worth a damn. Like I get it. Like people like to see a redemption story. They love the whole. You know, we shit, we could argue about how what what chance is this for Hugh Freeze? Is this his second chance or is this like his fourth chance? Exactly. Exactly. Up. But um, the three teams. Okay, he has three teams with a winning record: Buffalo, Virginia Tech, Georgia Southern. That's the teams that he has beaten up since he's been the head coach have a winning percentage of two ninety eight. Yeah, look, it's not good, Ben. It's not. At, at the end of the day, I won't argue. Other than some very questionable red zone play calling in very crucial games, I won't really argue against the guy's ability to coach, ability to motivate, ability to rally a fan base, ability to build a program early. I'd say the, that's his biggest strength. You, his biggest word, strength, yes. The word you use, motivate. He knows how to, and that's what he's doing at Liberty. He's not dealing with a ton of talent. They were, you know, they're, they're outmanned in, in the game against Virginia Tech. They're going to be outmanned. Um, I think they play NC State later this year. If I pull up the schedule here real quick, bear with me. Um, they're going to beat Western, they were going to beat Western Carolina. NC State, the Wolfpack's going to have more talent. And they play UMass. They're going to beat UMass. And then they play Coastal, who might be the only story that's better than Liberty right now in college football. Uh, Coastal's a top 15 team. They're undefeated. That talent differential gap is is going to be pretty small. Liberty maybe has better players. The, the quarterback that they have, um, Malik Willis, former Auburn signee. Um, but that's, that's Hugh Freeze's strength. And I can admit that as someone who doesn't like Hugh Freeze. He can motivate. He knows how to reach players. He knows how to, you know, really turn the tables and say, you know what? Like these other schools didn't want you and now we get to play them. So you get to go out and prove that you're worthy of playing at, you know, Syracuse at Virginia tech at NC state. So that's what he does best. But look, I, I, the, the, the stats don't lie. The numbers don't lie. It's you, you, they're not beating anybody worth a shit. So, I would tread lightly if you're a Tennessee, if you're a South Carolina, if you're out there looking for a new coach. I would tread lightly looking at Hugh Freeze because I still think it's a little bit of fool's gold. Yeah. You, you know, the, he, he's benefiting from the fact that there's just not anybody else. Oh, yeah. He's capitalizing right now on being the, the talk of college football. Yeah. So, um, you got anything else on week 10? No, just ready to watch Ole Miss play again. I'm ready for my laundry to take the field again. <laughs> That's right. Um, this weekend, Ole Miss, South Carolina, 630 SEC Network, barring any changes due to uh, COVID postponements. Uh, news broke earlier today, uh, Tuesday, as we're recording this, Wednesday as you're listening. Uh, there will be no CBS game. LSU Alabama has been postponed until later. Uh, so there won't be an SEC 230 game. Uh, so unless something shifts, Ole Miss is still slated 630 SEC Network. Um, we will have our legal gambling council coming to you tomorrow. Uh, it'll be out on Thursday. Uh, we had a good week last week, Ben. Seven and four as a unit. Uh, we're still hovering 
in the black, we're still over 50%. We're hovering close to 55 right now, 61 and 50 on the year. Um, you mentioned it earlier, took a tough beat. Mississippi State didn't show up, and then San Diego State didn't either. Um, but still still doing well in picks. Um, I, I'll say I'm in first place. Got a pretty sizable lead. But you and Nick and Austin are all kind of right there, neck and neck for uh, for second place right now. Yeah, it's, you know, just I'm just trying to give you as big enough of a cushion as possible. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's been a tough year for me. You know, last year we all had a really good year, but I'll blame COVID, blame 2020. Let's take a look. At, at week 10 last year, week 10 last year in a normal season, we were actually in the red. Um, and we didn't really hit our stride until late. But, um, but yeah, you won it last year. Um, but this year, I mean, COVID's obviously throwing a humongous wrench into things, and it's a completely different season, and betting on college football is is tough in general, but this has just been a weird year. Um, but we will have picks for you. COVID or not, we will have picks for you. Um, week 11, Legal Gambling Council will be out this week. Uh, we will be back with you tomorrow. Thursday as it gets released on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, until then, for Ben and uh, Nick and Austin will be with us on that episode. We will talk to you then. Stay safe. We out.